1: One more time, get PuroAir.com. Check it out now.
0: Hey, friends. Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff.
1: And I'm David Thomas.
0: And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And
1: we're so glad you joined us for this conversation. Let's dive in. Justin Whitmill Early is a writer, speaker, and lawyer. He is the author of the award-winning books, The Common Rule and Habits of the Household, as well as the brand new Made for People. Through his writing and speaking, Justin empowers people to thrive through life-giving habits that form them in the love of God and neighbor. He and his lovely wife, Lauren, have four boys between the ages of 11 and 4. We loved our conversation with Justin and Lauren. They are in the trenches of the messy work of parenting and have incredible insight to share on family, friendships, and how to be real yet intentional with the kids we love.
0: Justin, Lauren, we are so excited to have the two of you with us today. We can't even believe that it worked, that you got here <laughs> it's barely a, in time.
2: It's a miracle. God wants this to happen. I
0: know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we were just talking about that it was probably, when did your book come out, your first book?
2: My first book, The Common Rule, came out in 2019,
0: Nineteen. and
2: then Habits of the Household came out in 2021.
0: 21. I was later. thinking it was two years ago. Yeah. I didn't know about the first book, but that's awesome. Yeah. You've got three. Mm-hmm. Um, it was two years ago, right when it came out, I feel like, that Jess, our dear friend and producer, told us about your book and said, you've got to meet these people. You're going to love them. And my, my new
2: favorite person, Jess. <laughs> <sending them yes. laughs>
0: right. So, we, so this has been a long time in the making to get to sit down with the two of you and talk about things. So just super excited and honored y'all to be with us. Well,
2: we are really honored because while we were writing this book, but really, while we have been struggling with raising our four boys, your voices have been in our head. We've been listening and following along. So we were we were like, they want to talk to
0: us. <laughs> so, yeah, wow. I don't, yeah. Four don't
3: boys, really
0: feel that this qualified to be here. <laughs> uh, no, we're so thrilled. And four boys has you in the trenches in a way where you got a lot to say. Oh, yes. Certainly. Well, will you tell us a little bit about your family, about where you're from,
3: how old the guys are, all those things.
2: Yeah. You want to introduce the boys?
3: Yeah, so we have four boys. Our oldest, Witt, is 11, 11 and a half. You know, Boy David sixth has a wit. grade. Did you know that? I don't think I knew that. Wow. I do. And I have a nephew named Witt. Oh, that's We special. got a lot of oh, We boys. got good synergy well, going. Yeah, All we right, do. Yeah. 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 Um, well, Justin always thought it was the coolest part of his name, so we named oh. our first son after cool. him. Cool. So. Okay, Our sorry, second is Asher. He's nine. Then we have Coulter, who's six, and Shepard, who's almost five. Oh, they have great names. same yes. yeah,
2: we We We... Went with things that could be reduced to one syllable, with <laughs> Ash, that's our only Colt, name. and Shep. Yeah. So you can get with Ash, Colt, Shep. Come on, like in the car now. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> <laughs> bump, that's great. Yeah.
0: Have you all heard CC One and Song Shepherd? No, I haven't. Oh, no. y'all to need to. to I mean, it's about Jesus, obviously, but y'all need to listen to it. It's really sweet. Isn't that one of your favorites? I love that song. I just saw the yes. concert. She sang it, so that's that's oh, perfect. Okay. He was
2: he was named with Psalm 23 in mind, so, mm. yeah. so that's beautiful. Wow. Well. You guys are even more amazing for being
1: here to hear that. Like, you are in the throes of it all the time. Mm-hmm. We are. We're, yes. right, we're riding from the trenches. <laughs> is, is you it. are. Yeah. And the fact that you're here in Nashville and don't have kids with you, this may feel like a mini vacation for the two of you. We, you know, we had to wake up
2: at 3.40 a.m. for a flight, but that is not as hard as waking up at 3.30 a.m. to care for a screaming child. So That's we're really having a great, great start to our vacation. Point. Yes.
1: Okay, Justin, you went from being an attorney to writing about habits and spiritual formation, and now with your new book, Made for People, about relationships. So will you just talk about that journey from practicing law to writing
2: about Uh, spiritual practices? Let me tell you a story, because it actually makes sense to me. Mm. I I started my career with Lauren, actually. We were missionaries in China, right after we graduated college. I was there for four plus years. She was there with me for three of those and um we loved it. it it felt really called to china but then i had a calling experience in the middle of my time in china where i felt the lord calling me to go work missionally in law and business and as you can see i'm a man prone to calls those were <laughs> two big moments in my mm-hmm. life but i really did feel called to, to law so i ran at it with all the fervor of a man on a call which was great in that I graduated towards the top of my class and did really well. We had our first two boys during law school. Wow! The first one, the week of the law review write-on, which is when you're supposed to be writing all these big articles. The second one on the day my last final was to take place. No. Which I missed. That's stressful. (laughs) We have impeccable
3: timing. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Our timing
2: is great. Um, So it it went well in that respect, but I see now that I – Assimilated to all the typical habits of mm. top law school life and young ambitious lawyering, and what happened was that in my first year of lawyering, my life like collapsed in anxiety, panic, insomnia. It was like nothing I'd ever experienced, and I was trying to figure out what happened to me. Um, and that was a long process, like a very, very difficult, dark time. But in hindsight, I started to see that I had become converted by my habits of busyness and anxiety um they had worked on my heart and it was this really neat time in my life where the lord actually showed me that your head your worldview can go one way and your habits can go the other and your heart is always going to follow the habits Mm. because they sort of train you and i got really into thinking about how habits in our ordinary life shape us as almost liturgical impulses so the common rule was born out of that crisis and the common rule is a book about four daily and four weekly habits to guide spiritual formation in everyday life. Mm. Then I realized, well, I should probably apply this to my life of kids and parenting. (laughs) That's where Habits of the Household was born in another Mm. mini crisis of realizing I've worked on all these tech and work habits and busyness and rest habits, but I'm still regularly yelling at my kids in the Mm. evening. Um, What's going on there? And uh, so Habits of the Household is a a journey into that um, and made for people. I can talk about that in a minute because then the story gets long. But that's kind of born out of realizing that you need people in your life to do any of the above. <laughs> any habit, any parenting, you need people by your side.
0: Mm. Mm. Well, it has obviously made such an impact on so many families and has been very celebrated and beloved. And that's what I was curious, kind of what prompted you to do that. But but what have you seen? Have you seen the impact of it since?
2: The biggest thing that I have <coughs> seen from Habits of the Household is actually myself changing as a parent so i have great hope that some of the routines that we do with our boys like family dinner or mm. bedtime prayers and liturgies um that, that that these shape them in some ways but i think first and foremost thinking hard about your rhythms of parenting help me realize that i am a child of god before I'm a parent of children and if i'm not thinking about why am i so angry when they misbehave or why do I get so frustrated when they lash out because they feel unloved? I do the exact same thing. Um, you know, why, all, all these questions about why am I this way? Doing little things like pausing to pray before a moment of discipline or a bedtime liturgy where I sort of calm myself down so that I can calm them down. These are ways that I start to realize, oh, my my goodness, a lot of this parenting is about myself becoming a disciple so that i can disciple Mm. my children Mm. um so i you know there's a lot to say about how it impacts them but first and foremost just we would raise our hands and be like we're we're messy in the trenches parents who are being formed by the lord through these habits
1: Mm. lauren we know from reading habits of the household that you are the heart of your home (laughs) Mm. and what difference have you seen in the lives of your boys because of the intentionality that you and Justin practice at home?
3: Um, well, first of all, Justin—he he only tells the the good stories about me in the books, which I'm so <laughs>
2: grateful for. I'm allowed to tell bad stories about myself, but I'm not going to. Um,
3: no, I just say that to to be that. Uh, yeah, definitely in the trenches. We were joking, talking about like um, this question on the way up. Um, on the flight. And I was like, well, doesn't it doesn't count if I say they haven't killed each other yet. <laughs> 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 uh, just because to be, yeah, I, th- I think the sure. long game perspective is um, one that I'm excited to see that mm. like when they go to college and they open the door to walk out in the morning, their default would be like, oh, we pray right now. Mm. And I'm not yes. with my family, but I'm going to say a prayer right now because mm. that's what our boys know. Like when we open the door, they rattle off the prayer. They're usually kicking their brother next to them. But they're still rattling off that prayer. Um and I think for me it's the default. Like our autopilot has some built-in things that we don't have to come up with on the fly. Mm. Um yes. And I need that. Like the mm. summer <laughs> when you're out of your your normal every you know day rhythms for the school year and you're in summer, you need a few autopilot things that you're yes. like, that was a win. We just prayed once today. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's let's take that as a win. So I think having done some of the work up front, things do actually become a habit. Mm. And so a lot of our life is like, oh, that's just something we already do as a family. I wanna grow more, I wanna grow more as a parent into embracing how that's discipling me, but at least, you know, these things are happening on a daily basis, so.
2: And I'll maybe compliment her by saying, one of the things that I see with the boys and her, one of the things that we practice all the time is what we liturgies of reconciliation, which is a fancy way to say let's actually do apologies, and not just begrudgingly say them. Let's try to mend relationship afterwards by sometimes long hugs or walks or sits on the couch
0: together. They, yeah. They have to, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so for That's the little great. boys,
2: we have these things called the brothers hug, where you know if they're in one of their hourly fights, <laughs> you know we do the say you're sorry. Let's say I forgive you, um, but then we ask them. If, if if they're willing, and usually they are, like, can we can we hug, and we have to hold on to each other until both of us smile. Mm. And sometimes oh, I do that with them that's awesome. too. And it's really amazing how quickly that just sense of physical contact, which quick, quickly becomes wrestling again, sure, brings course. the smile <laughs> back to their face, mm. and they sort of, in, in an embodied way, remember that life is better together and when mm. things are going well. And oh, so you yeah. know that works really great with the little ones. Now with yeah. our 11 year old. Um, it's more like a let's sit on the couch or let's go for a walk. But but what I was going to say about Lauren is I see, you know, Lauren will be the first to admit that she she blows up at our kids, I blow up at our kids, we blow up at each other. Like the, mm-hmm. the common thing that's typical in families is you have conflict.
0: Because sure.
2: you're all these people in a household just, and as it turns out, we're all sinners. <laughs> <Yes. Right. laughs> it like, turns out. Surprise. Yeah but what i see happening all the time by habit after we practice these th- things is apologies and reconciliation actually mm. saying i i shouldn't have i shouldn't have turned around and yelled at you guys i'm sorry or you know s- seeing lauren say hey that was a bad moment for all of us let's all apologize it's going to be normal that houses have conflict but it's not necessarily normal that you reconcile and that is mm-hmm. one thing you can practice and it's something i see lauren practicing with the boys all the time
3: <laughs> i get a lot of practice at saying
0: I was wrong with the with the kids, <laughs> which
3: is really good for my soul, you know, and so
0: good for them yeah. to see that modeled that mm-hmm. the grown up that they love is fallible, <laughs> yes. and that you not only are acknowledging that you fail, but that you're asking for forgiveness. I mean, what a beautiful path to be forging for them. So
3: yeah, grateful for yeah. you. Yeah, and it's good know? to remember like that is actually a habit yeah. that is healing, and not just mm. a record of my mistakes. Oh right. yeah, that's a great way to say that. Yes. Yeah.
0: So your new book, Made for People, talks about life-changing habits of friendships. Yes. Will you tell us a little bit more? I love that idea. Will you tell us a little bit more about what that looks like?
2: Yes. So I've spent years thinking about spiritually formative habits, right, and then applying them to the household. I've had too many crises that have borne out two books. This is my first book that actually doesn't come from Crisis, but Blessing, which is a neat thing. (laughs) So praise God for that. Because... I have ever really since high school had friendships in my life that I would say have kept me. I I would not be walking with Jesus the way I am today without them. Mm. And that's just an incredible blessing that I long to share with people. But as I look out in the world right now, I see total crisis. So it's Mm. sort of like this place where God's gift, I think to my life, an undeserved unmerited grace of friendship I look out on the world and I say, "Oh my gosh, we actually are literally in crisis." I in my bag I have the Surgeon General's 2023 report on the American epidemic of loneliness, and this is starting to become you know widely reported. But our our bodies are literally falling apart and dying because we have neglected, forgotten how to do real relationship, which which yeah. I call friendship. Yeah. Um, and the reason I'm I'm so into you know you can write a book on community or relationship, and all those are good things, but I'm really interested in trying to take this idea of friendship and show that there's a biblical story of us being made for people. Uh, our first signs of the fall were relational shame and shame and vertical shame with God, that we were made for deep relationship. That's exactly what Jesus gives us back when he says, I've called you friends, you know, no, no greater love than this, that someone lay down his life for his, his friends. And that there's really a story of saying you are made for people. You need people and to become more like Jesus necessarily means to look more like a friend because that's who he is. Mm. And I look out and I think, you know, the make or break difference between people I see, this is anecdotal, but it is a lot of my life. The make or break difference of people who are doing life and either falling apart is not hard things. I mean, we all we all have hard things in life and marriage and health, everything. But when I see people walking through those hard things with friends, I see them clinging to marriage, you know, persevering with their kids maintaining, you know, pushing deeper into their walk with Jesus, but the people who are going it alone, I just see disintegration everywhere. Mm. Um, And so I feel like it's this biblical message. Friendship is key to who we are physically and spiritually. And I'm just so thrilled Zondervan let me write about it because I've wanted to write about friendship for a long time.
0: So cool.
2: I'm so thrilled they did too. And Jess,
1: I have to tell you how grateful I am for you to be writing about that and talking about that as a man too. Mm, And obviously mm. I know the content is applicable to males and females in relationship, but I talk a little bit in my new book about how often over the years when I've been sitting with kids, I'll ask them, you know, like tell me who are two or three of your mom's closest friends. And Mm. I feel like kids can answer that question consistently. Hmm. Rarely do I find that they can't, but if I flip it and say, who are some of your dad's closest friends, I cannot tell you how often they pause. And Mm. And I think that's some of why we as males lead some of the scariest stats out there. I mean, we yes. lead the stats for infidelity, internet pornography, yes. substance abuse, suicide. And I think it is that everything you're saying, like we were not meant to go it alone, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of men do. And and so I'm thrilled for you to be writing about that, talking Ooh. about that. And I think for men to have a, a blueprint, not just identifying the need, but a blueprint that that here's what it can look yeah. like, and that. Yeah that's the title like we were made for people we just were not meant to do this alone that's right
0: David did you get your taxes finished (laughs) what did you say (laughs) (laughs) what are you eating
1: okay I am obsessed with these new chipotle barbecue kettle chips will you share I would have but they are all gone
0: where did you get them
1: Thrive Market
0: uh How much do we love Thrive Market?
1: I could record an entire podcast about that topic.
0: You know who else loves Thrive Market? Patches. She loves the surf and turf meaty littles from The Honest Kitchen.
1: I love that Patches has a surf and turf situation going on.
0: (laughs) From pets to kids to grown-ups, everyone can find things they love at Thrive.
1: Thrive Market is my go-to for all my grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online and then quickly shipped to my doorstep is a huge time saver.
0: I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and I can use their on-site filters to suit my lifestyle needs.
1: Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks.
0: And as a Thrive Market member, I save money on every single grocery order. On average, I save over 30% each time. They even have a deals page that changes daily and always has some of my favorite brands. David, how much did you save on your last order?
1: I saved $32.
0: I saved over $12.67.
1: How much did Patches save?
0: (laughs) A lot. She's ordering more than I am.
1: You got me hooked on ordering frozen foods. I got salmon, bacon, and pork this
0: month. Something else I love is when you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give.
1: I love that too. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to ThriveMarket.com slash RBG for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift.
0: That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash RBG. ThriveMarket.com slash RBG.
3: Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
0: Have you seen, this is so silly, but have you seen Welcome to Wrexham?
2: No, I haven't.
1: Do Just I need was to? thinking. Right. It, so
0: it is, I'm not, I don't, I'm not even going to remember their names. Ryan Reynolds and? Rob McElhenney. Bought a soccer team in England. Okay. Football team. Oh yeah, and I hear about this. It's a documentary okay. about their journey, and there is this one episode that really is encaps encapsulates the issue of male friendships. Oh wow! And you do this out. phenomenal I, job of oh, talking I, about it. I told David about it to watch it's it. It's amazing. The show's hilarious and awesome you to see anyway, it. That's but,
1: yeah, so good. The whole
2: show, but this episode yeah. in particular, I think you will be so struck yes. by. Yes. Well, oh, good. I, I appreciate Season you one. recommending that and noting that because I. I get asked increasingly now, like, so, you know, this is harder for guys, right? And probably, maybe, probably. Um, I mean, the first thing that I think of is that this is a key human need for everyone, right? So you look at the end of Genesis 2, and, and God looks at Adam and says, it's not good that you're alone, which is such a strange thing for God to say when he's obviously there with Adam saying, you can, you're actually lonely with me because I made you for people, um, and there's this just key moment at the end of Genesis 2 where Adam and Eve are naked and unashamed, uh, i. e. fully known to each other and fully known to God. And I think about this for men because we we all need we all need it, right? But I define friendship in the book as being fully known and yet loved anyway. Mm. right And which I think is a ref- I, I use that definition because I think that's exactly what Jesus gives us. He He knows us fully. And yet he sticks around anyway, and that's the amazing thing about the friendship of God. And I think I love being a man. I, I, I like growing my beard long. Um, I love lifting weights. I, you know, I, I like talking sports with the guys. I, I but I think the most manly thing that I do is sit on the porch with my two best friends, Steve and Matt, and actually tell the truth about our life. And we do this every other Tuesday. Like we get together. And I let my boys see. Ideally, if they're the one of this, if they're still awake, um, and usually at least the older two are, I like keep them up, and mm-hmm. they get to hang out with you know the, Uncle Steve and Uncle Matt for a bit, because I want them to see friendship yes. on display. I want so them to classy. see that I'm known. Because yes. kind of like we were saying earlier, everybody's got conflict in their house. Everybody's got sin in their hearts. I, mm. I'm not good. I just don't have any secrets, <laughs> and there's a difference, right? I mean, yeah. Matt and Steve know me. Matt and his wife, Kami, and Steve and his wife, Lindsay. I mean, they are friends to us in our parenting and our lives. Um, I don't think you can do anything hard. I don't think you can do any hard thing in life without someone who knows you fully and loves you anyway. Mm. And it goes for men and women, but men really need to put on the example. I love that. I was thinking
1: when you were telling that story, I love that they call them Uncle Matt and Uncle Steve, too. Yeah. <laughs> I just I d-
3: realized our third doesn't know. It's kn- our real family. I the other day. a little mixed <laughs> up. I did the was, same. Like, I, remember, I
1: remember that moment when one of my kids was like, <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: he's not your real brother. Like, you know, it was the sense of I actually only have a sister. He is my brother. Your grandmother didn't give birth to him, but he's like a brother. Yeah. But I, I thought, mm-hmm. I love that you're confused by that. It mm-hmm. felt that familiar. Mm-hmm. So I love everything about that story. I'm glad you told that. And would love to also ask you, like, what was the most surprising or the most important thing you discovered in the research for this new book?
2: Oh, I'm going to cheat and go with two. <laughs> um, the, the The most surprising thing was looking into these stats on loneliness that are often trotted out. For, for example, chronic loneliness reduces your life expectancy to the tune of smoking 14, 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. So it's real like empirical health impact. Mm. But when I read those, I thought, you know, they're great to talk about. They're great for a podcast moment. But I think of loneliness as, you know, somebody sort of like locked away in their apartment, mm-hmm. not seeing anyone. And you can sort of imagine all the health problems that come with that. What I found out in the research is that that is not the loneliness that people are talking about. The loneliness that the research talks about is, is being isolated emotionally, even though you might be physically surrounded with people. And I thought, oh my gosh, that dovetails with Genesis and the story of relational fracturing in the Bible so well. So it was really interesting to see that you can be lonely in a crowd. You, your loneliness can be you, know, you you're not having that small group anymore or feeling like you're a person who used to have friends, which is mm. the current of American life. I think we become busier, wealthier people who used to have friends and so making that connection of saying oh my gosh these loneliness stats they're not about the people out there they're about us in here and if we're not relationally known then we are in those stats um the second thing i came across that i really just sort of appreciate is Most, it's common sense that people want friends. It's just not common practice. So nobody is surprised to say, oh my gosh, I was made for people. They think about it for a second and they're like, yeah. But the problem is I can't schedule it. And as I started to just anecdotally ask people and start to research, what do people want to know about this topic? Almost everybody is just saying, how do I do this in my busy stage of parenting and work? And you know, the American current does not steward us into a, a life that's conducive for friendship. And so what I, what I found was that people are wondering this. And here's the good news. Friendship has a wildly outsized impact compared to the time you put into it. Mm. Anything else that's necessary for physical survival or spiritual thriving, you have to do all the time. You, you know eat multiple times a day. You sleep hopefully at least seven hours a night. You're parenting and working much more than that. Um, hopefully you're praying without ceasing or reading your Bible regularly. But one hour of friendship every week or so completely changes the rest of your life. One Mm. hour of actually being known, telling your secrets to somebody and realizing, oh my gosh, this person knows my mess and they love me anyway. It changes everything about the week. So my encouragement to people is just everyone has that hour. That is within your reach and it will change everything about your life.
0: Mm. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to be devil's advocate. So I think parents would say, yes, but in terms of schedules. I mean, I feel like that is the first thing to go for so many parents, especially in this day of travel sports and as intense as everything is academically and all the different things that parents have going on. So would you say why particularly for parents you feel like it's important to prioritize that time?
2: Oh my goodness. I think parenting is the hardest thing that I've ever done. Mm. And I think you agree. Yeah. Right? I mean, we learned, we learned Mandarin Chinese. I passed the bar exam. <laughs> I, I've done things that people think, oh, that's hard challenging. Mm-hmm. I think parenting is so hard, mm. which is why you desperately need other people helping you do it. Yes. I just don't think you can do something as hard as raising children without friends in your life who know when you're messing up who are praying for your kids, who are praying for those broken relationships, who are praying for those problems that no one can explain, and you keep searching for solutions. Um, you it's just such a deep need. And anything else, I, I don't say the you know, hour a week um casually as if it's easy. Not I mean, nothing important is easy. It's right. still hard. <laughs> I'm just saying it's simple. It's 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 available mm. to us. It's a it's a known quantity if you start saying all right maybe instead of doing one extra sports activity or maybe instead of watching one more neck and it's way easier to turn on netflix in the evening than to go be vulnerable with a friend <laughs> but the, the saving power of a schedule of just sa- saying hey lauren i'm gonna make it possible for you whatever night this week you want to go out i'll take care of bedtime i'll finish the dishes you go out and like last week it was the book club right and and she returns that favor to me. She's saying, you know, on every other Tuesday night with Matt and Steve, I got it. You know, I'll send you out. You have to be in it together. Mm-hmm. But I think me me I know she'll come back a better mom, a happier wife, and a more full human being mm. because of that hour of friendship. Mm-hmm. And she knows the same is happening with me. I'm not just going to shoot the breeze with the friends. I'm going to become a, a more full human, yeah. someone who's a little bit more like Jesus. Mm. And when you understand that these are the stakes, parenting's hard. You need to enable each other to have friendship in the midst of parenting. I think that's when you realize, all right, let's make time for that hour. And and what, what would you add to that?
3: Yeah, I would just add that, I mean, I think especially it's been easier for him to get that hour over the past 10 years than it has for me, actually.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: so I think men take advantage mm-hmm. of, like, you have more flexibility in the evenings because you're you're not birthing the children you know mm-hmm. they're just that limit on on me has made it more challenging but there's also more creative outlets um that i've been able to pursue like one thing our church was, which, which is amazing is we have a standalone sunday school hour and they encourage folks to put their kids in sunday school and there's adult sunday school but they're also like get a coffee with a friend oh, and that's so, so great. like they're like relationships is important we understand wow. for parents like that's really hard so i've done prayer walks with friends during mm-hmm. that hour around the parking lot Um, I have um, sacrificed one of my two preschool mornings to a small group with other moms, which I regretted half the time, Mm -hmm. you know, because I was like, I got so much to do at home. This is my I only have two mornings of preschool. That's two hours and 45 minutes. But you know what? Looking back, I'm actually glad I chose to go be in a vulnerable community with five other women. Even though my house wasn't as clean as I wanted to be Mm -hmm. by a long shot. You know, I'm not saying that like, oh, my hell, you know. I think a lot of women especially can get into the productivity wheel Mm -hmm. and just realizing like, no, this has to be up there in priority. And if if you don't sacrifice something for it in the little kid years, it's never going to happen. But you can if you make it a party. And it's we talk about goals of like, oh, Justin's going to hang out with his best friends every other week. And usually that's more like 1.5 times a month. But it happens regularly. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, same thing. It's like. I'm going to do this Bible study. I show up half the time. That's a win.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, pr- approximating rhythms. Is mm-hmm. a win. Yeah, but it, it's booked right. on the
3: calendar. And so therefore, it happens. And yeah. things, one of the habits we talk about, especially for family devotionals, is something is better than nothing. Yeah. And I think in the little years, friendship, some, you can't just wait till your kids are old enough. I think there's this trap when you have, like, babies. You're like, well, when they're in school, I'll have more time. Right. And then you get there and you're like, it's actually more sketchily challenging. Mm. <laughs> the logistics are even more crazy. I'll just wait till they're in college. And then it's too late. You don't have any Me- friends anymore. Yep, so right. something is better than nothing in the short term.
2: I actually, I like how you noted the the woman's side of the struggle, too. Because I think, back to your question, if, if men struggle to be vulnerable, and I think they do, I think at least in our stage of life, the, the women in our life, they it's hard to schedule, like so men might Harder. struggle to open up, but it's really hard for for women to make the time because mm-hmm. of the demands of like the, these child rearing years. And mm-hmm. so I just would say to the husbands out there, you need to help your wife make time for friendship because she needs it. And she can't do it without your help.
0: It's so good. And you mm-hmm. know maybe the
2: wives can encourage their husbands. I need you to be vulnerable with other guys because yes. otherwise you're not being the best husband you can be to me. But mm-hmm. I think there's are two ways we can help each other.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've seen too much so much how important it is for it to not just be your marriage. And I think that's, you know, some people can make the excuse of, like, I'm not going to bend over backwards to find time with friends because our marriage is really strong. And that's really great. But your marriage is only going to be strengthened by, like, I'm so thankful for Justin's friends. Mm. <laughs> there's been,
2: you can't bear these burdens Yeah, <laughs> there's been many times
3: where I'm like, I'm so glad mm. they're talking to you about this. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Makes me think
0: about C.S. Lewis, The Four Loves. I have yes. thought
2: about
3: that so
0: much. that was probably part of your research. That was
2: but. one of it it stands as probably the best single thing that I read. Right next to Bonhoeffer's Life Together. Mm. Um, there's not enough writing on Christian friendship. That's
0: what I thought when I read which The Four is, Loves. I was so glad he addressed yeah, it like he did.
2: Um, but it, that is one of the best. So if anybody mm-hmm. wants to go back to the to the you know, the OG writing on friendship's <laughs> <and C. S. laughs> got it
0: essay He's on right. philosophy. Yes, yeah. that's so good. <laughs>
2: Lauren, you mentioned
1: older kids, and we work with a lot of parents of adolescents and would love to just ask the two of you, like, what encouragement would you give to parents of teens who maybe didn't adopt Mm -hmm. these life-giving rhythms and habits early on? Like, is it too late? What would you say to those parents?
3: Well, first, I would say I think there would be an inflection point, and there's coming there's one coming really soon for us where we're going to have to rethink a lot of the rhythms mm. with older kids. And so a lot of what you know we've done isn't going to apply. And I think at any point when you find yourself in a new season with your kids, you need to really sit down and rethink. And I think the amazing thing about God is he even built it into our world. We wake up each day, there's a sunrise. Spring follows the winter there's always time for a new start and mm. preaching to my own heart here. Cause I think it's easy to think, well, it's, it's over and done. I failed in that area. And it's just not true. Mm. I mean, I think so many of my friends came to faith in college, you know, or later and starting at any point to build a, a spiritual formation foundation is going to be fruitful and God will use it.
2: A- Amen. I, I, you know, whenever you talk about habits, people start to think about the, productivity like thing they things they need to do things they ought to do it can become a legalistic area and so I try to be really clear habits don't change god's love for you it's just that god's love for you should change your habits right so all of what we're talking here is in the realm of grace it's in the realm of things that god will help you do despite your failure and your mess and so you know i started this project when I mean, WIT was like, you know, seven or eight, I guess. And in some senses, I could have thought, oh, it's too late. We missed this stage. But look, the Lord was working in our family. I never really thought about spiritual discipline until I was 30. So, you know, I missed it. <laughs> so all of this is just to say, you can start anywhere. Mm-hmm. Grace means, if it means anything, it means today doesn't have to be like yesterday. You're not, you're not wed to the bad things that came before you. And by the way, like Lauren was saying, you can be made new. And I look at my life, and my I thought my parents did a fantastic job with my upbringing.
3: They did. <laughs> and they're yeah, the best. They're, they're wonderful. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, and I really messed up in my teen and adolescence. I mean, I really made some m- big mistakes. And some of my most formative moments was in their graciousness in those years. Um, presumably, they did a good job when I was you know 10 and under. But what I remember was some of their gracious kindness and patience with me when i was in adolescence and i mean i just think that says something you you can start anytime
0: yeah
2: and that's and that's good news so Mm. you know don't this isn't a burden shouldn't be nobody thinking about habits of the household or spiritual rhythms in the home should think oh this is i I got so much to do now jesus said his his yoke is easy and his burden is light Mm. the heaviest hardest thing to do is to continue to do nothing 'Cause American life, the norm, the current you're you're in already, that is really crushing. Mm. Like so do nothing and you will it will just get worse. But take one small step towards adding a little spiritual discipline structure to the home and that you will find, oh, that was a light burden. In fact, I want to do it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that and that's grace coming through.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I love that your parents were as intentional as they were with you. It sounds like in those years, and thinking about your boys and the ages that they are, which you mentioned, and and this season of our podcast, we're talking about ages and stages. And if hmm. you had to say what you feel like, even thinking about how ha- habits and rhythms, even as you think about the age of each of the boys, what do you feel like they need the most? What would? You-
2: oh, that's great. Yeah, I like this
3: one. I think it's hard because we're everyone's kind of well, the middle two are solidly in the same stage but the other two are changing yes. um so I, I think it's been on our mind yeah fresh i don't know what to do in adolescent <laughs> boy <laughs> <laughs> so i'm like
2: i'll, I'll list your the, guess is
3: as good as mine i'll list
2: things off the top of my head and you, you tell me what you the the little shep who's four mm-hmm. almost five i he just needs constant contact right now um, Actual content. Yeah, mm. tight hugs, and you know he's so much. He just he wants to punch me in the stomach so bad, and he means it in love,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and and I welcome it. I just say just make sure I'm ready. You know. Yeah.
3: <laughs> he punched the piano teacher the other day in the stomach. Yeah, God, that's warning. A, that was I'm we got to work, to on, work that. on that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I say often, and I'm actually not kidding that I, I exercise um, not to hit PRs or, or goals, but to be a good dad because I the physicality in the younger ones. Yeah. They just want to be wrestled. Mm-hmm. Um, 'cause Coulter and Shep, and those are the four and six year old they that's the way they're experiencing love and i'm mm-hmm. not you know I'm not sure that every boy is like that, but every boy i've raised so far <laughs> has been like that um, with wit i 'll skip to the oldest. he is eleven now mm-hmm. I think I'm starting to see a a, a a deep searching need for do do you see me um and can I be a part of your what you're doing so he's shown real talent at music and I'm sort of an amateur lover of guitar and drums so playing with him and sort of calling him up to let's jam together it's sort of a, a big boy and it's adult thing that we do I think he feels a, a new level of, of acceptance he's not as interested in wrestling me anymore and it starts to get awkward because he's kind of big <laughs> you know <laughs> but he loves just to, to do an activity that feels like a, a big boy activity an adult thing I, th- I think Asher at nine just wants to be around us and do things together. He's he's just he's a good times guy. He wants to be well, included. Yeah,
3: we had a breakthrough with him though the other day. Justin really challenged him to. He, he our second and our fourth have the biggest mood impact on the family as a crew. We've picked that up. They're the most like Justin um <laughs> for good or bad what is it? it's powerful there go. <laughs> <laughs> um but um, so he can uh, he just really is always looking forward to the next exciting thing that's going on you know movie night you know soccer game what 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 may have you but if it's not coming soon drags everyone down um and so we just Justin challenged him, like, hey, do you know that when you um, are kind to your younger brothers, you make their whole day better and Mm. you light up their life, basically, because they, you know, just want to do whatever he's doing. And um, he was like, I want to ask you at the end of the day if you made a choice to be kind to them or you made a choice to act out your mood. And um, it was such a better day. We were like, what? It worked. And he's not been capable of that before. And so it mm. was just a turning point of, Oh yeah. We're at a level of, he has a little bit more agency over his emotions mm. and his yep. choices. Right. How can we help him recognize that he, um, his, his feelings are not in control of him. We got that from the Straubs. Um, Jocelyn Christie strap has mm. this great children's book that yes. I just repeat the mantra all the time to myself too. <laughs> a feeling is, <laughs> it's just a feeling it's not in charge of me. Mm. Um, yeah. so that's, that's my challenge for Asher is like, learn that, um, and Coulter, I think we just need to pay more attention to. He's the third kid.
2: <laughs> he's so joyful. Sometimes he's easy to, he's like, you're yeah. happy, you're fine. You know, yeah. we don't he's, need to-
3: he's also six. And it's just, I think it's my favorite boy age so mm. far. Five and a half to six and a half. So um, yeah, he's just a, he's a joy. Although he is starting to come out of it, which is a bummer, but yeah, um, I mean, he'll still be his great self. But yeah, I think um, we have the challenges of the big family. There's different challenges in a small family and paying specific, unique attention in certain stages when yes. they're the easier kid is one of the big family challenges. Sure, so That's yeah. And Shep, Shep and I are on a little different journey than Justin because
2: <laughs> so you don't like wrestling as much. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like
3: being punched as much.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Not your love language. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, yeah, I do tackle them in the pool now. Yeah. All my boys really respond well to me being physical with them too. So we do a lot of full wrestling in the summer.
2: I do. Some of the things I've appreciated about you guys doing the agent stage stuff is, it encourages me to, to st- to the extent I can, try to get some one-on-one time mm. with them. And this isn't going to be daily. And it's not going to be three hours out. But just trying to, you know, go for that conversation with Asher after the other two boys went to bed and thinking, this is a moment I can have with him. And what, you know, especially when you get a couple kids around the house, they start to know, oh, mom and dad are singling me out. Sometimes that can be bad. But I think I think a, lo- a lot of times they just feel loved, you know, to be mm. pulled aside for 15 minutes and shown love in their own way. Um, thinking of the ages and stages specifically helps me do that.
3: Oh, I just thought of one other thing that's kind of more related to habits of the household. So we, when Justin wrote the book, all of our kids were 10 and under. And so, although I think the habits are adaptable to, to any age, those, that's what came out of our lived experience was zero to 10. But now that we have two older kids who stay up much later, um, just this summer, I was realizing like, we need a new bedtime routine for the big boys. And so something that, um, that we've been tossing around and we haven't really, we're just experimenting right now is with like a evening prayer with our big kids instead of a bedtime blessing as a way to both say, okay, this is your time to go be by yourself. Don't bother us anymore. <laughs> but as, as a way to invite them into the evening prayer and just, uh, you know, we're, experimenting with some simple ones that we can memorize and doing the Lord's Prayer together and maybe doing a, a short examine which is thinking about your day and mm. um, right now it's very much like haphazard we did it like I don't know six times this summer but just the idea of oh if we could have this rhythm and then that would be their cue so like this is now your evening to put yourself to bed and to do your own bedtime routine because we need the space Just and I do and we kind of drifted from that little kid stage where everyone goes to bed and you have some time and all of a sudden we didn't have that anymore yeah. so yeah um and also little kids you pray for them and now we want to start bringing Praying them in them. to pray with them yeah. in the evening so that's something we're we're working on so parents of older children tell us what you do <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like
2: actually awesome. a great reminder that some of the habits of the household stuff about prayer i have realized is is not only great because it's sort of teaching them to pray without ceasing and bringing them into prayer. But it also punctuates the day. Mm -hmm. It it, it helps you say when we pray before we leave for school, it's very short. We just say a little prayer together. But it it just marks a moment. Okay, we're leaving the house now. Or, hey, it's your bedtime now, (laughs) so we're going to (laughs) pray because that's what we do. And, yes, it's prayer. It's wonderful. It also helps them understand, oh, that's right. I have to go to bed now. And for Lauren, that's like, now we get time alone. (laughs) So. Prayer is—it's practical um, mm-hmm. in yeah. in like creating a rhythm of the day, and something's going to create that rhythm. Um, mm-hmm. Using prayer is a, is a is a wonderful way to teach your kids that that should be the rhythm of the we day. We had been at a
3: twenty-five minutes of back and forth yelling and argument stage for a yeah, while. That wasn't bedtime. a good rhythm. You know? So we're, yeah. done, <laughs> yeah, we're we're done with that rhythm. Go so to we're, bed. We're, I don't we want need I do to. To, to, to make to a m- new <laughs> one. <laughs> yes,
1: great. Aww. you all now is the moment in the podcast where we move from the substantive to the silly, we like to go from parenting to food and would love to ask you a two-part question. Okay. So part one is queso or guac. Part two is what's your favorite kind of taco?
3: Queso if it's a true authentic Tex-Mex queso. Mm.
2: Okay. (laughs) Guac. Okay. And that goes along with my taco choice. I guac because it's just more caloric, more filling. (laughs) I like lots of food and I pick whatever's on the menu that has the most meat in it. So if it's like... I don't know, a brisket taco or like Ooh. a big fish taco or a fried chicken. Last time I was in Nashville, I had a fried chicken mm, taco. Mm-hmm. So I'm there just going for you, the mass in the taco. Yeah. For you.
3: I'm going to say fish tacos. Mm, good choice.
1: If we end up in Richmond, where should we go for tacos?
3: Where should we go for tacos?
1: The, the veil
3: yes yes there's a great brewery near our house that has a little pop-up mexican in it called Mama, and it has it, playground next to it too so it's really good for families yeah i mean but it's also yeah
2: you'll love it it's like really good surprisingly incredible mexican wow just <laughs> out of this little window yeah it's great
0: yeah i agree
2: our treat if you come
0: all right we can't wait
2: <laughs> we
1: hope that happens
0: yeah y'all thank you this thank you wonderful so much. inspiring conversation
1: we're it's so honored so to be here. so good to be with the two of you.
0: If you are enjoying the Raising Boys and Girls podcast, click follow on your podcast listening app to subscribe and not miss an episode.
1: Join us next time for another episode where we'll bring you help and hope on your journey of raising boys and girls.